Well, today uh, we're at week three of a wonderful series uh, called Settle It. I talked about being decisive, and last week I talked about being ready. So today I want to talk about a very important spiritual and life quality that has the potential to impact you uh, and literally change the trajectory of your life, I believe. I think it's a key to your spiritual strength, not just in a moment, but over time. Your life impact, your relationships, financial potential, and life goals, whatever they may be, this is huge. And here's the key. The word, the title today is consistency, being consistent. So if you just think about that word for a moment, can you put a name or a face with that? What drives you crazy as a boss or some situation where you never know what person's going to show up on a given day. Isn't that true? Can you, can you make a connection there? Is there a person that you think of, maybe a Bible character, and we'll talk about one in a little bit, that is a model of consistency? I'll say, and I'll say it again, when we're talking about these words, consistent is not a synonym for perfect or perfection. Consistency and perfection are not the same thing. Nod your head if you're with me on that. But a good thing is I, I want to do messages that are relevant to all of us. And, and this, this word, this, this character quality, it doesn't, it doesn't require a certain background, education, talent, a certain look, whatever. It's to whoever and wherever you are, wherever you find yourself. But this quality, I'll say it again, has the power to impact your entire life, probably more than you can imagine. And if there isn't consistency in your life, it's probably impacting you right now more than you could possibly realize or think about. I'm sure you see that many people are very inconsistent in many ways, but I want to ask you to do some soul searching. Lord, search my heart. Are you consistent? I mean, we could make a list of many, many areas, and most of us say, yes, we check some boxes, but there's some boxes we'd probably leave blank and say no, and those are many times the ones that come back to bite you. Um, you know what I've discovered about people? I've been doing this a few years. Many are the most consistent about being inconsistent. <laughs> there are so many good intentions that seem to wilt and fade in the follow-through stage. How do you know in sports, follow-through is huge? Following through is huge. If that's true in a sense like that, how much true is that? Much more true is that in a spiritual sense. Our follow-through, not just the good intentions, but stepping it out day after day. So it could be true, it's probably true today, that wherever you may struggle, maybe you and the Lord are the only ones who know in life, probably there's a lack of consistency that is part of that struggle. You may not see it, but probably others do. I'll give you an example, and I'll hit this, and this is the biggie. I talk about this from time to time, but this is a game changer. I'll just say, I'll, I'll address the topic of spouses and families praying together. If you're a follower of Jesus, why in the world would you not want to do that? And the fact of it is, we probably all would say we want to do that, but we don't always feel like it. It's not always consistent. I was in a rush this morning. We had a board meeting early on, and, and I was going out the door, and I wanted to make sure Dixie and I prayed together, and I forgot to do it. 
and I didn't want to be in a conviction when I made this, gave this message, so I called her and we prayed on the phone. I prayed with her. She prayed for me on the phone. You can check that out if it's not true. But I, this isn't a guilt trip, but it's just a challenge. Because for most of us in those most intimate relationships, it's either hit and miss, mostly miss, or it's missing entirely. And I want to ask you again, why? What we have found is it is impossible to be at odds if we're praying together. How many of you have had to pray with your spouse or, or a loved one in your, in your home when, when you just had a rounder? Oh, that's not fun, is it? That's painful. But I want to tell you, it'll neutralize the conflict. It doesn't always fi- fix the problem. But, but I, I want to tell you again, I cannot state this enough. This could apply to so many messages. This is the number one way that Satan seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to kill you of an intimacy that is indescribable if you do that faithfully. And oh, I hear all kinds of excuses, but that's all they are. Because we can all do that. And I, and I just challenge you to think about why that happens because uh, th- there's a, most of the percentage in this that doesn't exist in our home and families on a regular basis. Again, I'm trying to give you a tip, not a criticism and not a guilt trip. Just think about that. So we're back to this message certainly encompasses what I've been talking about, the difference between our will and our, and our feelings, remember? And I always say that our will needs to trump our feel like it our, our, our want-tos about what we really know we should do, what we want to do in our hearts, but we have this reality in Romans 7, and I think we, we look at this passage, and I'll read a couple of verses, but we leave it suspended with no resolution, but here's how it goes. It goes in verse 15. I don't really understand myself. Does anybody agree with that point so far? I want to do what is right, and I don't doubt that that's most of your intention. You're here today. You're here for a reason. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. In other words, I do what I feel like doing in a moment. And I know that there's nothing good that lives in me, that is, my, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I always end up doing it. Do you see the conflict? Come on, some of you are right there. But I believe our want to is, I believe that we gotta address that want to and how that stretches out into our life. So I think you can relate to what I just read. That's not the end of it, but we'll stop there. It's so true in so many areas of our life, but including things that are spiritually significant. And maybe you're here, you're just about ready to give up. You're tired of having good intentions, but often falling short. Oh, I want to say again, consistency matters over time. It is powerful. It's life-changing. And the verse I alluded to last week, but I didn't read from 1 Timothy 4.7, the C part of that from the New American Standard Bible, it says this way. This has to do with consistency, this being decisive, being ready, but today's word is well consistent. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Wouldn't it be nice if the discipline always came from outside sources, but, but it says, doesn't say that. It doesn't say, count on somebody else so that if they don't do it properly, you can blame on them. Discipline what? Yourself for godly purposes. And that's gonna get to the why, and that's the driving force of why we discipline ourselves. Let me ask you this, Q&A thought. Is it really possible to live godly lives without discipline? You, you think about that. Is it? 
The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your choices, your decisions. It's not just a big yes to Jesus for what he did on the cross, but you live your life out of those choices, out of surrender to the Holy Spirit. You make multiple choices based upon the big choice that you made. Over time, your choices, your decisions make you. Poor decision making is a chronic problem these days. Back to the bricklayer I talked about two weeks ago. So I believe in regards to this word that our want-to can trump our feel like it, and we can determine here and now that we're gonna settle it ahead of time in the present tense. And our key phrase has been, when I'm faced with this particular situation, blank, I have, I'm naming it, I've settled it, I will take this action, blank, fill it in. That means when the heat's on, I've already settled it, I've decided ahead of time how I'm gonna respond, because otherwise I'll react, and I don't know about you, but my reactions get me in trouble far more than my responses. My reaction is type in some email that I wanna send to set somebody straight, but my response is deleting it. Some of you, your response is sending it. That's a reaction too. All right. Stay with me. This is a simple, powerful little tool, I believe, that has a great impact on your life. If we're talking about these terms, we've talked about being decisive, being ready, and today being consistent. Okay, why is it that consistency matters so much? Pastor, why are you talking about it? Because I believe it's real and relevant. And I've read things like this from different quotes and put it in my own words to a degree, but successful people at every level do what others are only willing to do occasionally, and I've added, when they feel like it. Did you hear me? I better read that again. Successful people, Chad Varga, when he's here, when he talked to teens on Sunday night, he talked about successful people, what they do, and a lot of the points were in my notes today, for sure. Successful people at every level do what others are only willing to do occasionally when they feel like it. Does that summarize your life? Now, you've heard it said, and I, and I think about a lot of things. It could be about a sport. It could be about uh, some skill, uh, a musician. But I've read repeatedly that if anybody wants to become an expert in something, you have to invest at least 10,000 hours in practice. Have you heard that? 10,000 hours. That's a lot of hours. I mean, some of us are experts in sleeping because we definitely categorize that 10,000 hours. But in practical disciplines of life, maybe not. So successful people, and I'm talking spiritually, do over and over again what others are only willing to do now and then. You become what you consistently do. And we're in the, as followers of Jesus, we are becoming. There's not a single one of mine, uh, a person within the, this voice of mine, within range of my voice or online, there's not one of you that have arrived, correct? We're on a journey. And I believe consistency is the difference maker. And I'm gonna talk about that in a moment from the life of Daniel. So our all new consuming identity is what? When we go to the cross and say yes to Jesus, we say once and for all, I'm a child of God. I look through that lens at everything, every relationship, every response. I'm a child of God. I want to reflect. I want to honor him. And it's not a matter of what people do to me. It's a matter of what I'm going to respond, how I'm going to initiate interaction. By his grace and with his help, I am Oh, I'm no longer who I used to be. Quit calling yourself by what you used to be before Jesus. And I think it's fine to say about these words, not like, I will be consistent when I feel like it. No, 
I, I think we need to declare, by God's grace and with his help, the Holy Spirit, I am consistent. Start declaring it, because I believe we live up to and we become what we really believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. So I'll say it this way. Successful people at every level consistently do what others are only willing to do occasionally. I mean, you can plug that into so many areas of life. So let's look at a consistent example in the Old Testament, Daniel. When I was growing up in church, we had songs we sang and little children's books, hymn books or whatever, and I don't remember all the words. I meant to Google them, but you can find almost any lyric there. But the, the basic name of the, the, the song was Dare to Be a Daniel, and then the first line was Dare to Stand Alone. Do you have the courage to be a Daniel? Because he was a model of consistency of life. Morally, relationally, spiritually, leadership roles, whatever the case. So let's recreate this. I've talked about him from time to time. He and Joseph are just two winners in, in the Old Testament, as you know. But in the years following the Babylonian destruction of Jerusalem, many young boys were taken captive to Babylon. Daniel was one of those. Listen, these were the best and the brightest, the cream of the crop. And you know what the rationale was? They wanted to take these sharp people and they wanted to basically brainwash them. They wanted to immerse them in the Babylonian culture in every way. They were training them for leadership. And you know, it was a further, humili it was a further humiliation on their enemies to take their best and brightest and turn them into residents and citizens of Babylon. You see that? I mean, they stole them away. Well, King Darius, it didn't take him long to notice Daniel's outstanding qualities. And he quickly began to promote him above some of the other top leaders, probably some of the good old boys. Daniel was very young. And how do you know the Babylon good old boys club didn't much like that, and they became jealous of the favor given to Daniel. They knew he was so sharp, and they were jealous. Is that relevant or real in our world? Of course it is. You rock the boat. So they tried to dig up some dirt on him, and to put it in modern terminology, they tried to get him canceled. But you know what they couldn't find? They couldn't find any dirt. But Daniel still wasn't perfect, and I'll come back to that. His character was consistently good. He was faithful, he was responsible, and he was trustworthy. So let's read verse 4 of Daniel's Verse four of Daniel six. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. They couldn't find something in his own life, but they couldn't find anything. I love that, I circled that, I've capitalized it. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Oh my, are we good criticizers and condemners, especially those people closest to us. Oh, it's quiet in here today. I need a little cheerleading going on. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. That's consistency. I want to be that, do you? I want my kids and grands to see that, but all the while not pretending to be perfect like I have everything together. 
Every eye dotted and every T crossed, because I don't. I mean, if I was there, I wouldn't have room to grow, and the Lord needs, knows I need to keep getting better. How about you? There's some things at 67 years of age I'm not very good at, but I think I need to get better at. Relationally, especially, the Holy Spirit's been talking to me about some things, specifically through others this week, and I want to agree. So let's go back to these jealous good old boys. In their collusion, they concluded that the only way they could get Daniel canceled was if they went after him in matters of faith. He was an open book. His faith was. He didn't flaunt it, but he didn't hide it. And they knew he was very devout and consistent, especially in his prayer life. Verse 10, still in Daniel 6. So Daniel heard the scuttlebutt. He knew what was going on. But when Daniel learned that a law had been signed, he went home after they approached King Darius, appealed to his ego, said, release an edict. If anybody prays to you within the next so many days, next 30 days, uh, they're, gonna be, they're gonna be tortured and, and eaten alive. They're gonna be thrown into the den of hungry lions. And then I'll pick that up in verse 10. When Daniel learned that this law had been signed, he went, oh, I love this. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open to Jerusalem. You know what that phrase said to me? Consistent. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to God. I love that. We're thinking about the, having prayer time and then finish part with the board this morning, making some decisions that you'll be hearing about. And, and uh, I, I just said something or prayed something like this, Lord, we can thank you all day long, but we just know that when we start thanking you, that leads to praise because it's all flows from who you are, your character, nature, your goodness, your faithfulness. True? So that's a part of our worship. Many times, that's an entry point to his majesty and glory. So Daniel kept right on consistently doing what he'd always done. He kept his faith. He never wavered. He kept doing what he'd always done. The rival leaders spied on him, as you know, and reported the disobedience to King Darius. And with a heavy, heavy heart, because King Darius loved Daniel, the king ordered him to be thrown to the lions, the hungry lions. But God... Could somebody say, but God? That changes everything. God sent an angel who closed the mouths of the hungry lions, and in my words, they became gentle cats, and they probably started purring. I'll bet you Daniel used one of them for a my pillow while he slept. Just trying to make it relevant and real here. The king was sick and sleepless with worry about Daniel and early in the morning he came running out to that area and checked on Daniel and found him. There was Daniel. The king had been up all night. He was bleary-eyed and here's Daniel getting off of his cat pillow, yawning and stretching and after a good night's sleep. Oh my, you know what Daniel had? The peace of God that passes all understanding. And he had it before he got in the lion's den, by the way, because he'd made some decisions to be consistent ahead of time. He didn't decide to be consistent when his feet hit the floor. Oh, God, I'm in a jam, so I think I'll do it now. He was in the habit of doing what he always did. And so in verse 23, the king was overjoyed, 
and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in the Lord his God. That's the but God phrase right there. Do you have any but God stories in your life? Yes, you do. Talk about them. Tell, tell your kids and grand about the but God moments. He had learned to trust in the goodness of God, which isn't a catchphrase, it's good theology. Long before, I'll say it again, the long night in the lion's den. He knew God and his faith was built from the knees up, if you would. He, if you will, he consistently prayed and sought God three times a day, week after week after month after month. What an example for all of us, not to be overwhelmed, but let's learn some consistency, and I just wanna pull out two or three things from this story. Maybe Daniel prayed consistently and we pray occasionally. I'm glad you're praying occasionally, but I think if a little is good, a lot's better. Come on, what do we say in relationships? The biggest number one factor is communication. Relationships are only good as a communication. And why in the world, when we have access to an almighty God who created all, who fills all, why in the world wouldn't we want to maintain a constant connection with him through the day? That's my question. And in the constant connection, there's correction. There's all kinds of wonderful things that come out of that that are ours are open to. All right. So I'm going to give you three things, actually, in the closing minutes here. The, the first one is that, that I believe that Daniel did and we need to do. We need to start with the why. I think sometimes we start doing things without the why being settled, and, and it's not going to last. What, was he trying to put on a show? Was he trying to show everybody how holy and pure he was, how spiritual he was? Was he trying to be a forerunner of the Pharisees and religious leaders of the New Testament? No. Listen. He knelt and prayed privately in his room three times a day because he was fully devoted to God. That's the why. That ought to be the why that we're here today. Why we want to worship him. Why we want to go to Pray Now Monday. His prayers were fueled, in other words, by love and devotion to God, not by legalism and not by rules enforced by somebody or some church or some pastor. He couldn't get enough of God because he knew getting all of God that he could handle, there was still more God left than he could attain. So he knelt and prayed privately because he needed to. There's a big difference, I would say, between desire and devotion. Daniel had that inward devotion to God. I mean, he loved God. My question is, do you love God? That's where we get the dare to be a Daniel. It compelled his consistency, I believe. A desire without a why is unlikely to succeed. I want to change, Pastor. I want to change, but the breakdown occurs when I don't feel like changing, when the rubber meets the road. It's the why of the devotion that compels you to start immediately to do what you need to do, regardless of how you feel. It's not a last minute gasp and grasp decision in the heat of some moment. No, emotions come and go. But I want to honor God, I want to be like Daniel. I want to grow 
relevant examples. I want to grow closer to God because I've been created for his glory and want to serve him wholeheartedly. I want to hear his well done. I want the generations coming behind me to know his goodness and graciousness in in my life, and I want them to know that it's for them. I want to be consistent. I want a healthy marriage because I want to honor God with the vows I made before him. I want to show my children and grands a godly example. I want to have financial stability because I'm sick and tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I want to be financially free so I can live generously and impact the lives of others for goodness sake. You think I've got passion and energy. I mean, Dave Ramsey's class is not going to be boring, I can tell you that. He will light you up. And it's preventative. It's not just problem solving. It's preventative. Or maybe this. I want to stop this bad habit, fill in the blank, because this has been in my family for generations, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the enemy, and it has to stop right here, right now with me. That's why I admire my father so much, coming out of his background, that he drew a line and said, my family's going to go a different direction. He has tons of kids and grandkids that are serving Jesus because he drew a line. And he said, no more. I'm not gonna allow the sins of the Father to be visited through me into my family. I'm gonna be a change agent. And so he was, year after year. You need to have a clear and compelling why that becomes a conviction from God and to God. This goes beyond willpower or feel like it. Let's call it why power. Do you have why power in your life? That creates devotion that becomes consistent even in the face of obstacles. We need consistency because how do we know Satan never takes a day off from killing, stealing, and destroying? So we need to seek God alone and together daily, knowing everything we do depends upon the power of his spirit, his grace, his mercy. You need God's mercy to lead in your business, in your family, whatever the case may be. Let me say again, when I've said the last two weeks, that when your values are clear, your life principles are, are established, decisions become so much easier because you've settled it ahead of time. If you want to become more consistent, define your why. Otherwise, you're going to be, you're going to, I have wonderful neighbors that, that, that uh, live in a cul-de-sac, but when I'm going on a trip, I don't just go and drive in circles in the cul-de-sac. And that's how some of us are doing without it. We're just going in circles, aren't we? Charlie's starting to chase his tail, Charlie Brown. Boy, does he look ridiculous. And I, talk him, I haven't been able to talk him out of it yet. But you know what? It's the same thing for us. Some of you are chasing your tails. I love this point. Chad Varga did share this with the team. Some of the teens will remember. The second one is this. Plan to fail. A fail doesn't make you a failure. That is not your identity in Christ. It's like, okay, Major League Baseball is getting ready to start. We root for Cleveland. But we know ahead of time they're going to lose all kind of games, but they could lose all kind of games and still win the league like they did last year. Agreed? But we sometimes have this illusion. We think we have to win everything. We think we're not going to fail. God gets glory through I've learned more through fails than successes. How about you? Because we examine them as staff and staff some. We talk about how something could be done better. How many of you know you don't pretend that you don't deny the fails. You own them and you say, I want to learn from those so next time there can be a win. That's the way I look at it. 
Consistently successful people, spiritually like Daniel, they know they have a plan. They've answered the why, and they know they're not perfect. And I'll say it again, being consistent does not mean perfect. Go back to Daniel. He did pray three times a day. But you can be sure that he missed some prayer sessions. Because he was subject to a king, and he was captive, and, and he didn't say, hey, I'm out of here. There's overtime work. I'm sure there's times that he missed. But because he'd settled the why, when he missed it, he didn't try to do it four times the next day. He just went back to the routine of consistency. Oh, isn't that a freeing thing for all of us? Because Satan tells us, you've blown it. It's too late. You said you were going to do this, and you didn't do it. You might as well give up. We go into the Eeyore mode, and that's exactly what we do. God doesn't get glory out of that. He had real-time responsibilities, great responsibilities. And I'll comment further that many are inconsistent because you have an all-or-nothing mindset. Lighten up already. If you fail a few times, you're not a failure. Did I say this? Being consistent is not being perfect. Give yourself grace because God does. If it's good enough for God, that ought to be good enough for you. Look at me. Give other people grace because uh, if that's good enough for God, it ought to be good enough for you to give as well. Yeah. Hmm. I'll go back to my illustration of praying with your spouse, family, children, grands, whatever. Keep it simple and keep it short. That's one gripe I had. We prayed for everybody in the world around our family altar growing up. Oh, my lands. Wore me out. My dad would read from Leviticus if that's where he was in devotions. Oh, my. It didn't inspire me then, and it doesn't inspire me now. So what if you miss a day? Try not to miss two. Try not to miss three. You understand? Give yourself a break. Because if you're aiming at something because you're devoted to God, you're going to do far more than if you're not aiming at anything. Because if you're not aiming at anything, you'll hit nothing all the time. Boy, that's a, that's a good one to write down, isn't it, Judy? She's one of my faithful cheerleaders for all these years and others. You just caught my eye there. Keep the starting bar low in this praying business. Grow from there. A momentary failure lapse is a part of the growing process. Hear me. I can't, I, I said it different ways. I'll say it one more way. The illusion of the need to be perfect is the thing that hinders us most from getting started. Some of you are not following Jesus because you think that if you follow him, you'll mess up because you already have. So what if I mess up again? Aren't you thankful that we never outgrow confession and repentance and that we never outgrow the need for and the embracing of forgiveness? That remains a part of a fully devoted life. Search me, God. Show me what you see, and I'll agree with you. I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm going to say, change me. Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. So I had a warm greeting in the grandstand with an old friend that reminded me that many years ago, all of our three children took martial arts from a wonderful instructor who loved Jesus. And we can relate to this little story, and you can correct me, Herschel, if I'm wrong, but an instructor once asked his new students, 
which is the most difficult belt to get? They replied, a black belt in all the different degrees. A black belt, of course. And the teacher said, no. The toughest is the white belt because most people never start. Then he asked, what is a black belt? They said, it's somebody you need to run away from. He said, no. A black belt is a white belt that was consistent over time and never gave up. Is that good? Listen, you're going to miss a day. You're going you're to mess up at times. You're going to have a fail. But, oh, you need to be consistent and follow through. Thirdly, finally, quickly. Don't look, as the old timers used to say, like you were baptized in lemon juice. I'm devoted to God so much it hurts. I'm going get to get through it, bless God. You know what's a contagious witness when we enjoy the journey? Plan to fail. Yeah, that's, that's reality. Um, start with the why. Enjoy the journey. So we'll be going to Florida. Once we get out on 30, I'll just start some deep breathing. I'll just start going. And I enjoy the journey going because we're unwinding. Are you, are you with me on that? Look at me. How in the world can we represent the one we're devoted to, our why, if we're not enjoying the journey along the way? What means ups and downs and opportunities and successes and all of the above. Daniel loved spending time with God. He loved the personal time alone with God. I mean, think of it. We can have God's undivided attention somehow. So he kept doing consistently, even when it was tough, what mattered to God. His goal was to honor God in everything he did. Look at me, look at me. That's a game changer. That's what helps you be consistent. I want to, I've settled it, I want to honor God in everything. Even when I'm in a tough moment, I'm not being treated right, responded to. I still, I want to honor God. How do you think God will honor that kind of prayer? That's a palms up prayer. Here I am. You can get so focused on the goal that you don't take time to enjoy the journey, and I don't think that represents Jesus very well. It's that relationship with him that matters most. That's what makes a difference in these relationships. That's where the growth takes place, on the journey. And it's not all just smooth. I love the line Kathy wrote, we never know which way the road of life may bend. But I've been traveling here long enough to know who is my friend. And he is faithful. What's that? To the end. You are faithful, precious God. Hey, he's faithful. I want to be faithful. That's a topic for another day. Don't you? I want to be found faithful by Almighty God. I want to hear his well done. I'm 67, but I still like to hear well done. Do you? And I love it. When God speaks that to your spirit, to my spirit, I want to say don't miss the spiritual growth that happens along the way. <sighs> one step at a time, one thing at a time, traversing that ever-bending road of life. My mission is to honor God in everything. 
Hey, let's go back to Romans 7. We stopped too soon. Oh, here's the error part. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? Dave Ramsey. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. More than conquerors. More than victorious. Well, Jesus is the one who empowers you to live a life that honors him full-time, not part-time, not when the spotlight's on, not to get attention and glory of man, no. He can deliver you from a life of inconsistency if you'll settle it, settle it, settle it, settle it. I am a child of God. I am consistent. So we're choosing to settle it, to live consistently. If that's going to happen, your will has to trump your feel like it. Be decisive. Decide what you need and want ahead of time and do it regardless of how you feel, even when you miss and mess up. Right now, where you are in the quietness of the moment, have you appreciated today's service? Just all the nuances of it. I love it. I love being here with you, with God's presence. Right now, in the quietness of these moments, reflective moments, with your heart and mind, would you be open to his general direction? Go palms up. Where are you sensing God calling you to be more consistent? I mean, fill in the blank. Don't, I mean, just settle for one thing today. Let him speak to your heart. Offer yourself to him completely. You know what I call that? Doing the Daniel. Would you be willing to do the Daniel? Finally, in light of all this, is it any wonder that my, one of my breath prayers I've had for years and is, is John 12, 28 day, Father, bring glory to your name. That may not work for you, but that's a game changer for me. When I'm having an attitude, when I'm in the wrong place, Father, bring glory to your name. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not what they did to me. It's about I want to respond to you. Father, bring glory to my name. There can be no greater earthly success than to bring honor and glory to your Father who is in heaven. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I close with this. Some of you need an infusion in your white power. You need to make some serious decisions to get off the track, the rut that you're in. You've been in for so long. Some of you have been here and you've come and gone for years, but you've never said yes. You've never been to the cross. You haven't have a relationship with Jesus that's life-changing, that's shaping your days. And saying, the first thing I wake up in the morning is, I'm a child of God. I want to live like it. I want to live for him. That's, that's where you need to start. There's no magic word to think. That's the, the starting point. But I just want to come back to this whole idea. I used to illustrate it to my teenagers this way. So we'll head to Florida. So let's say on the way, oh, let's say about Cincinnati. You know, you go crossing the bridge to go into Kentucky and the congestion and the, the, the construction, it's crazy. Let's say we're just going down that big hill in Kentucky or over it and we have a flat tire. What do we do? Well, we try to get safely to the side of the road and pull off as far as we can. And then hopefully we have a spare that's inflated and if we can find it and it is, even if it's one of those skinny things that you can only go one mile on, we put that on. But the bottom line is this, we fix the flat immediately. We don't drive on it because that ruins so many more things. And then what do we do? After we fix the flat, what do we do? 
we resume our journey to Florida. We don't go back and start over. We don't think, oh, I gotta go all the way back to Worcester because I had a flat. You fix the flat, you get up, and you keep on going. And all the people said, would you stand up, please? If you can, if you care to, Father, thank you for the attentiveness of these, your people, the wonderful sense of your presence. May we put feet in action to it. For those that have never said yes to a relationship with you, religion isn't going to get it done, but a relationship being fully devoted to you like Daniel, that changes the entire direction of relationships, of life. What a foundation that we can build the rest of our life on as we go from here to heaven. I pray that there'll be those who make a decision in this room and online. Others would begin by declaring, I've been so inconsistent, and I, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about one thing that I'm going to change. I am consistent because I am a child of God, and I want to represent you very well. So deal with our hearts right now as we close. Would you be, we're open to your spirit to speak to us, Lord, in any way you see fit, and we'll say yes. Here am I. We'll do the Daniel. We'll do the Daniel with consistency, no matter what comes our way, because we've settled it. And I pray it in Jesus' name.